So, uh, my name is Rianne, and I'm one of the congregation here at St. Luke's. And in case you didn't know, we're between full-time vicars, so different people are taking it in turns to give the talk. And we're devoting these months until Advent to the climate emergency. In the Church of England, it's usually called Ordinary Time, but we've renamed it No Ordinary Time. And it's true. We are living in extraordinary times. And even as I say it, it feels like a complete understatement. And when I wake up at 3 a.m., I'm spoiled for choice as to what to worry about. It used to be quite simple. Someone had done something weird at work, or friends were in trouble, or one of my family was having a crisis. And there was a time when I felt I could do something to help solve what was keeping my mind buzzing. And now I feel really helpless. Seesawing between the current nightmare of our political landscape and the climate emergency. And of course how our leaders are so preoccupied with one, it means they're doing next to nothing about the other. So if you're ever at a loose end at three in the morning, come round to my house, because I could do with the company. So in July, and I'm sure many of you felt the same, I got to a point where I didn't know what to do with myself. I was in the middle of an emotional maelstrom, a mixture of utter fury and overwhelming sadness in this soup of desperate, frustrated hopelessness. And it felt like there was nowhere to go with all of it. Then August arrived, and with it, some space to read and think. I went to Greenbelt and heard some speakers. I listened to more podcasts, read some books. And at the end of the month, somewhat fortified, I wrote myself a prescription for the autumn, which I hoped would provide half a chance of me being a bit more balanced and subsequently a bit more useful. So this talk this morning is me sharing the first half of my prescription in case anything's useful to anyone else. So it's my six-point plan for the autumn. Number one, look for the truth. Where are you getting your information from? Not all we read or see or share is true. So you might have come across this story. A woman went on a Tinder date to the Shard. She got there first, and she'd had a difficult day at work. She looked at the menu and decided to treat herself to a bottle of wine that cost 50 quid. Her date arrived, and things were going really rather well. So another bottle was ordered, and then another. And then the waiter bought the bill, and it was for £15,000. It turns out the woman had misread the menu, and the wine was actually five grand a bottle. Her Tinder date refused to contribute, arguing that it was her mistake. She couldn't afford to pay, so was forced to sign a direct debit by the Shard restaurant that would enable her to pay off the bill over 10 years. OMG. What a terrible thing to happen. And thanks to social media, this story spread across the globe. The ins and outs of the whole incident were discussed, the woman's stupidity, her date's outrageous response, and the restaurant's behaviour. Only it didn't happen. As soon as journalists started checking it out, none of the six restaurants in the Shard had any record of such a thing happening. None of them had a bottle on the menu that cost five grand. And no one managed to locate the woman this had happened to. It was a piece of highly shared nonsense. Why? Humans love stories they can share. 
It's what builds our communities. If the gist of a story feels right, if we trust the storyteller, if it has a cool twist at the end, then we'll happily share it. And it's not to do with how intelligent we are either. University students were asked, how many of each animal did Moses take on the ark? 80% said two. Of course, everyone in a church community knows Moses didn't take any animals on the ark. It was Noah's ark. But as humans, we tend to deal with the gist of the story first and we rely on our gut instinct, rules of thumb, intuition, to tell us whether something is true or not. It's why fake news stories get taken seriously. A false story about a date in the Shard is obviously of less concern to us than stories rubbishing climate change or undermining thinkers and activists with serious work to do. But the world we live in makes it easier than ever before to share any kind of story or have doubts planted in your mind. We're bobbing about in an info soup that makes it very hard to pick out the croutons of truth. Fake news is worrying some people so much that they want children and students to be taught how to recognise stories that just aren't true. But we all need to practise critical thinking, to consider sources, and to follow the steps of a story and then assess for ourselves whether it's true. So that's my first tip. Before you get irritated, furious, or even reassured by something that you've read, ask yourself, is it true? especially before you pass it on. Number two, find out for yourself. This one asks a bit more of us, and I'm not suggesting that we all book a plane ticket to Brazil to check out the extent of the burning rainforests. That would be counterproductive. But there are local issues that we can absolutely ask questions about. So someone tells you that the council doesn't take recycling seriously, so there's not much point in you doing it. Rather than starting to doubt your own actions, bother a counsellor. Go to the tip. Ask the workers. Have a friendly chat with someone who collects your recycling. And when it comes to important social and political news, we are so fortunate to live in a city where there are plenty of opportunities to hear from people who have witnessed events firsthand. Our own Justin Butcher is an eyewitness and a storyteller about the situation in Israel-Palestine. And his Walking to Jerusalem project is a chance for us to hear from someone who has gone to the trouble of finding out for themselves. So the least we can do is support these tellers of truth as they have seen it, and then to try to take our own steps to do the same when we can. Number three, small daily prayers. So, surprise, surprise, I'm a fan of St. David, and I've got a sign on my desk at work with his famous instruction, do the little things. So it may feel like a small action to always have your drink in a mug, use cutlery that isn't made of plastic, say good morning in the corridor to the person you'd rather avoid. And sadly, there are still people who will tell you just how much energy you took to boil your water for the cup of tea, that the metal in your fork is also an environmental issue, and the person you're saying hello to religiously still really hates your guts. But it doesn't matter. Your small actions may not be making the massive difference a change in government policy would, but they are your own commitment to making the world a better place. 
and your repetition of them isn't futile. It's you demonstrating over and over again to yourself and anyone else who notices that these things matter. Think of them as small prayers that can be done wherever you are. And if you're in the office, they're your daily office offices. Sorry, it's a bad C of E joke. Number four, do worthwhile things with different people. So that second reading this morning was from a short book of even shorter essays by Timothy Snyder, a professor of history at Yale University. It's called On Tyranny and draws lessons from moments in history he thinks can help us understand what's happening now and what actions we might take to stop the world going to hell in a handcart. And in that particular chapter, he urges us to get out, away from that which keeps us comfortable and inactive. He wants us to make common cause with people we might not have considered our friends and to protest and march together for what we believe in. A lot of his book is about discovering the truth for ourselves and then taking action in support of what we believe. And he writes that sentence which Joe read to us, which I'll repeat, because I found, I found it probably the most powerful thing I read over the whole summer. Power wants your body softening in your chair and your emotions dissipating on the screen. Get outside. Put your body in unfamiliar places with unfamiliar people. Make new friends and march with them. Number five, get some rest. It's very easy to fill our lives and our time up to the very brim and then add just a few more things and then there we are overwhelmed with stuff and not a moment to ourselves for proper rest. Our addiction to phones and their constant provision of stuff to scroll through and get annoyed or worried about, the way we've allowed our work lives to encroach upon our home lives, our ever-building need to be entertained, distracted, to collect likes and shares. It's making us perpetually restless and increasingly, some of us, ill. The words of Jesus in the first reading today are the next thing I'm having made into a sign. Come with me. We will go to a quiet place to be alone. There we will get some rest. Just reading that makes me feel better. It makes my heart beat slower. I relax. And in the Bible, despite Jesus having so many demands made upon him, there are plenty of moments where he takes time out to recharge. He has meals with friends. He withdraws from company to pray. He does some cooking on the beach. There are many ways Jesus provides an example to us, so here's another one. Go to a quiet place. Get some rest. And my final point, give thanks for the quiet places. We need to let the natural world nudge us poor humans towards quietness more often. If we take ourselves outdoors, nature will help us. She strips away distractions, presenting us with huge skies instead of small screens, and birdsong instead of pinging message alerts. Jesus takes himself away from everything very regularly. A garden, the sea, a long walk. For us too, it can be that gift, giving us strength for the worthwhile work we need to do. So in our turn, we need to thank her with our prayers and with our actions. 
So that's my prescription for an autumn that has already got off to a somewhat unpredictable and discombobulating start. I'll sum up. Look for the truth. Find out for yourself. Value your daily offices or small prayers. Do worthwhile things with different people. Get some rest. Give thanks for quiet places. <laughs>